Part four, chapter sixty seven of Thus Spake Zarathustra by Friedrich Nietzsche, translated by Thomas Common. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Ugliest Man. And again did Zarathustra's feet run through mountains and forests, and his eyes sought and sought, but nowhere was he to be seen whom they wanted to see. The sorely distressed sufferer and crier. On the whole way, however, he rejoiced in his heart and was full of gratitude. "'What good things,' said he, "'hath this day given me as amends for its bad beginning. What strange interlocutors have I found! At their words will I now chew a long while as at good corn. Small shall my teeth grind and crush them, until they flow like milk into my soul.' When, however, the path again curved round a rock, all at once the landscape changed, and Zarathustra entered into a realm of death. Here bristled aloft black and red cliffs, without any grass, tree, or bird's voice, for it was a valley which all animals avoided, even the beasts of prey, except that a species of ugly, thick, green serpent came here to die when they became old. Therefore the shepherds called this valley Serpent Death. Zarathustra, however, became absorbed in dark recollections, for it seemed to him as if he had once before stood in this valley, and much heaviness settled on his mind, so that he walked slowly and always more slowly, and at last stood still. Then, however, when he opened his eyes, he saw something sitting by the wayside, shaped like a man, and hardly like a man, something nondescript. And all at once there came over Zarathustra a great shame, because he had gazed on such a thing. Blushing up to the very roots of his white hair, he turned aside his glance, and raised his foot that he might leave this ill-starred place. Then, however, became the dead wilderness vocal for from the ground a noise welled up, gurgling and rattling as water gurgleth and rattleth at night through stopped-up water-pipes, and at last it turned into human voice and human speech. It sounded thus, Zarathustra, Zarathustra, read my riddle. Say, say, what is the revenge on the witness? I entice thee back. Here is smooth ice. See to it, see to it, that thy pride doth not here break its legs. Thou thinkest thyself wise, thou proud Zarathustra. Read then the riddle, thou hard nutcracker, the riddle that I am. Say then, who am I? When, however, Zarathustra had heard these words, what think ye then took place in his soul? Pity overcame him, and he sank down all at once, like an oak that hath long withstood many tree-fellers, heavily, suddenly, to the terror even of those who meant to fell it. But immediately he got up again from the ground, and his countenance became stern. 
I know thee well, said he with a brazen voice. Thou art the murderer of God. Let me go. Thou couldst not endure him who beheld thee. Whoever beheld thee through and through, thou ugliest man, thou tookest revenge on this witness. Thus spake Zarathustra and was about to go, but the nondescript grasped at a corner of his garment and began anew to gurgle and seek for words. Stay, said he at last, stay, do not pass by. I have divined what axe it was that struck thee to the ground. Hail to thee, O Zarathustra, that thou art again upon thy feet. Thou hast divined, I know it well, how the man feeleth who killed him, the murderer of God. Stay, sit down here beside me. It is not to no purpose. To whom would I go but unto thee? Stay, sit down. Do not, however, look at me. Honor thus mine ugliness. They persecute me. Now art thou my last refuge, not with their hatred, not with their bailiffs. Oh, such persecution would I mock at, and be proud and cheerful. Hath not all success hitherto been with the well-persecuted ones? And he who persecuteth well learneth readily to be obsequent, when once he is put behind. But it is their pity. Their pity is it from which I flee away, and flee to thee, O Zarathustra, protect me, thou my last refuge, thou sole one who divinest me. Thou hast divined how the man feeleth who killed him. Stay, and if thou wilt go, thou impatient one, go not the way that I came. That way is bad. Art thou angry with me because I have already racked language too long? Because I have already counselled thee? But know that it is I, the ugliest man, who have also the largest, heaviest feet. Where I have gone, the way is bad. I tread all paths to death and destruction. But that thou passest me by in silence, that thou blushest, I saw it well. Thereby did I know thee as Zarathustra. Everyone else would have thrown to me his alms, his pity in look and speech. But for that, I am not beggar enough. That didst thou divine. For that I am too rich, 
rich in what is great frightful ugliest most unutterable thy shame o zarathustra honoured me with difficulty did i get out of the crowd of the pitiful that i might find the only one who at present teacheth that pity is obtrusive thyself o zarathustra whether it be the pity of a god or whether it be human pity it is offensive to modesty and unwillingness to help may be nobler than the virtue that rusheth to do so that however namely pity is called virtue itself as present by all petty people they have no reverence for great misfortune great ugliness great failure beyond all these do i look as a dog looketh over the backs of thronging flocks of sheep they are petty good-wooled good-willed grey people as the heron looketh contemptuously at shallow pools with backward bent head so do i look at the throng of grey little waves and wills and souls too long have we acknowledged them to be right those petty people so we have at last given them power as well and now do they teach that good is only what petty people call good and truth is at present what the preacher spake who himself sprang from them that singular saint and advocate of the petty people who testified of himself i am the truth that immodest one hath long made the petty people greatly puffed up he who taught no small error when he taught i am the truth hath an immodest one ever been answered more courteously thou however o zarathustra passest him by and saidst nay nay three times nay thou warnest against his error thou warnest the first to do so against pity not every one not none but thyself and thy type thou art ashamed of the shame of the great sufferer and verily when thou sayest from pity there cometh a heavy cloud take heed ye men when thou teachest all creators are hard all great love is beyond their pity o zarathustra how well versed dost thou seem to me in weather signs 
thou thyself however warn thyself also against thy pity for many are on their way to thee many suffering doubting despairing drowning freezing ones i warn thee also against myself thou hast read my best my worst riddle myself and what i have done i know the axe that felleth thee but he had to die he looked with eyes which beheld everything he beheld men's depths and dregs all his hidden ignominy and ugliness his pity knew no modesty he crept into my dirtiest corners this most prying over-intrusive over-pitiful one had to die he ever beheld me on such a witness i would have revenge or not live myself the god who beheld everything and also man that god had to die man cannot endure it that such a witness should live thus spake the ugliest man zarathustra however got up and prepared to go on for he felt frozen to the very bowels thou nondescript said he thou warnest me against thy path as thanks for it i praise mine to thee behold up thither is the cave of zarathustra my cave is large and deep and hath many corners there findeth he that is most hidden his hiding-place and close beside it there are hundred lurking-places and by-places for creeping fluttering and hopping creatures thou outcast who hast cast thyself out thou wilt not live amongst men and men's pity well then do like me thus wilt thou learn also from me only the doer learneth and talk first and foremost to mine animals the proudest animal and the wisest animal they might well be the right counsellors for us both thus spake zarathustra and went his way more thoughtfully and slowly even than before for he asked himself many things and hardly knew what to answer how poor indeed is man thought he in his heart how ugly how wheezy how full of hidden shame they tell me that man loveth himself ah how great must that self-love be how much contempt is opposed to it even this man hath loved himself as he hath despised himself a great lover methinkest he is and a great despiser no one have i yet found who more thoroughly despised himself 
even that is elevation alas was this perhaps the higher man whose cry i heard i love the great despisers man is something that hath to be surpassed notes by anthony m ludovici this discourse contains perhaps the boldest of nietzsche's suggestions concerning atheism as well as some extremely penetrating remarks upon the sentiment of pity zarathustra comes across the repulsive creature sitting on the wayside and what does he do he manifests the only correct feelings that can be manifested in the presence of any great misery that is to say shame reverence embarrassment nietzsche detested the obtrusive and gushing pity that goes up to misery without a blush either on its cheek or in its heart the pity which is only another form of self-glorification thank god that i am not like thee only this self-glorifying sentiment can lend a well-constituted man the impudence to show his pity for the cripple and the ill-constituted in the presence of the ugliest man nietzsche blushes he blushes for his race his own particular kind of altruism the altruism that might have prevented the existence of this man strikes him with all its force he will have the world otherwise he will have a world where one need not blush for one's fellows hence his appeal to us to love only our children's land the land undiscovered in the remotest sea zarathustra calls the ugliest man the murderer of god certainly this is one aspect of a certain kind of atheism the atheism of the man who reveres beauty to such an extent that his own ugliness which outrages him must be concealed from every eye lest it should not be respected as zarathustra respected it if there be a god he too must be evaded his pity must be foiled but god is ubiquitous and omniscient therefore for the really great ugly man he must not exist Quote, their pity is it from which i flee away he says that is to say it is from their want of reverence and lack of shame in presence of my great misery End quote. the ugliest man despises himself but zarathustra said in his prologue quote, i love the great despisers because they are the great adorers and arrows of longing for the other shore End quote. he therefore honors the ugliest man sees height in his self-contempt and invites him to join the other higher men in the cave end of part 4 chapter 67 recording by john van stan savannah georgia